Welcome to the Digital From Day One podcast. Our aim is to build a bridge by creating content that will pique interest, spark conversations, and encourage further innovations that will ultimately build a more informed and prepared pipeline of learners headed for the 21st century workforce. Hi, my name is Brendan Dickerson, and joining me as always is Joelle Nelson. Today, you'll be listening to our part two discussion with Kyle Strickland, who's the Senior Legal Analyst at the Kirwan Institute for the study of race and ethnicity at the Ohio State University. One of the things that this pandemic has also impacted um, in, in a um, substantial and also unique way is this election time, right? Uh, yep. And, um, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of stuff to unpack there, but I know um, that uh, you have done a lot of work in relation to um, people being involved in, um, uh, in, in voting rights and opportunities and so on and so forth. Um, that takes on a whole, you know, I think actually we met at a, uh, at a, like, a, I forget what it was, a, it was something related to, the, uh, you know, voting and all those kind of things over Yep, in, in, yep, uh, yep, at a Cut the, Above uh, the Rest at Al yeah. Edmonton. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So we, we met over there. And, um, and, and so a lot of, so, it, it, but it's, it's, it's different now, right? Because, yep. you know, there's, there's challenges with voting by mail. There's challenges with voting in person. And with all of this going on, we have young people in, you know, that are middle and high school students that are seeing this going on and are mm-hmm. asking the question, why should I even get involved? Why should I even vote? You know, what would you say to them, especially in the midst of what's going on now, how they can get involved now if they wanted to, and why it's important to stay involved going forward and exercise their rights when it's their time to do so? That that's such a, a great point, and I, I remember that that vividly that the day we met, and and uh, it's hard to believe how much has happened since. Uh, <laughs> right. It's like oh my gosh, um, I feel like that. It's, it feels like it's been years since. Right, almost um, ten years. But <laughs> I know, right? So you know, the first thing is that I would say is I understand. I understand why you are cynical. I understand why you think it doesn't matter. Um, the facts are that when you see what is happening, uh, you got to think, who are these people? And how did we get here? And how did we let ourselves get here? And it also highlights and goes to show that nobody's smarter than you. At the end of the day, nobody's better than you, you know? And I think there tends to be this, well, let's, some of these big challenges, these big problems we face, like let's, let's put that in the hands of, of others who are just solely focused on that work. When in fact, when we leave that vacuum, when we just leave it to a few people to engage in the practice of our democracy, what ends up happening is that you see the concentration of power in the hands of the few who do not necessarily have your priorities in mind. And so as a result, what tends to happen is only the people who are invested in these issues, and that tends to be because there's a lot of money and influence, which leads to a lot of corruption in our politics, it gets people sick of the process. 
They said, why would I be involved? If these people don't care about me. And in many cases, they don't care about you. But what I will say is this. There are a lot of people who do care about you. For all those who, who tried to uh, look past your priorities and look past your interests, there are plenty of people who are fighting for you. And we need to include your voice in that process. And even for people who aren't old enough to vote, you can advocate for the things that you want to see for your family, for your communities, and for the people who are old enough to vote. Your vote is so powerful. And what's important for, is for us to recognize that, here's the thing, voting is not the end-all, be-all. You, you can vote and cast your vote. That's not going to solve all the problems we face. There's more that we have to do. We have to be more engaged in our democracy because it's not just a thing on the side. Politics is about how our community prioritizes issues and what we invest mm -hmm. in and what we choose to focus on. And so without having your voice in that process, people are going to focus on other things. And so what I think is important, especially with the COVID-19 pandemic, is for us to first raise awareness, raise awareness about how to get involved. The facts are that uh, with everything going on, it's sometimes frustrating to get involved. It's, it's sometimes too difficult or challenging to get involved. It's not just as simple as sign up and, and go vote because of all these different barriers that have happened in some ways because of the structures that exist, but also in very real ways of voter suppression efforts, especially against black and brown marginalized communities, where they're trying to do everything in their power to keep you from voting or to tell you to be cynical and to think your vote doesn't matter. That is what happens. That is how all of these things happen in the first place by keeping you away from the process, saying it doesn't matter to have your involvement. What I would say to you is that your vote is critical. Your vote is important. Your vote's not going to save and solve all the challenges, but it can make a difference. And at the very least, you can add your voice to the collective movement. And that's where we need to have people a part of it. If you believe, if you, if you want to vote for equity and you want justice in our society, you got to vote. You've got you've to stand up and vote. And then not only do you vote, but then you continue to march in the street. You continue to hold our elected officials accountable. And then we do every single thing that we can to get you involved in these efforts. And so that's how I would, I would approach it. But we also have to raise awareness about how to, how to give, get started, right? That you've got to register to vote. The voter registration deadline is October 5th. Uh, you've got to uh, make sure that when you are registered to vote, you make a plan to vote. So are you going to vote in person? There are safe in-person options, but you can also vote by mail and get that done early. So all of these things are voter education, but also in understanding. And here's the key piece, because sometimes we miss it, and understanding as to why people don't vote. That we can't just blame people for not voting. We have to really investigate and understand why people might be cynical. And we can't just take votes for granted. We have to earn people's votes. And that's something that it requires all of us uh, to be a part of. I think you really hit on another great point too, <clears throat> around accountability as well. Um, we have a lot of you know younger listeners in the you know Gen Z and uh, millennial uh, populace, and you know people are you know on TikTok, you know on all these other you know social media uh, platforms, you know you know trying to be informed, but there's also a lot of misinformation out there as well too. Yep. 
um, that um, is uh, concerning, to say the least. So, like, how can we, you know, um, I guess the millennials or, you know, Gen Zs, how can they um, stay more informed on these issues, you know, which you are alluding to? Um, so they can't make these excuses of, you know, um, this, I, you know, I don't, I don't know what's going on. No, that's, that's a great point. Well, first, you know, I, I think the moment we're in, I, I hope you're paying attention. If you're not paying attention, we got to be paying attention. Right, and, right. and, you know, I'm, I, yeah. and, and look, you know, I'm not on, I'm not on TikTok, but I do know that a lot of people have been making political ads on, on TikTok. So folks should be seeing it there too. Uh, right. And the other thing, and the other thing is this, you know, there are plenty of organizations that are out there that are doing this work. It, you could be nonpartisan work. I mean, here at Ohio State, you have OSU votes who's trying to get out the vote. Uh, for people. You also have uh, Michelle Obama's initiative, uh, When We All Vote. Uh, it's a national initiative to encourage people not only to get registered and go vote, but also to get their friends and family to do it. And that's the other thing is we got to tell our friends, right? We, we got to get our people involved. And, um, you know, there, there are times where people are, well, politics isn't for me. Politics isn't for me. I say, what an incredible privilege it is for you to believe that politics is not for you. Because at the right. end of the day, in order to address the, the issues that we face, we need everybody involved in the fight for these issues. And so, yeah. you know, one of the things that I would say is get involved in organizations, uh, talk about these issues, um, and really learn more. I mean, to, to be invested, learn, read up about the candidates, read up about the policies and the issues. Um, you know, you have so many dynamic leaders and young people right now that whether they're in Congress or whether they're, they're elected officials themselves that are engaged in the process. And then you have it. This is a moment for this generation, one of the most diverse, inclusive generations uh, ever to truly bend that arc uh, towards justice. This is up to us. This is our moment. So the question I would say is that, you know, when we look back on 2020, what did you do? What did you do? And you have to ask yourself, what side of history do you want to be on? Do you want to be like, you look back, it's as if, you know, we had the civil rights movement in the 60s, and you look back and you didn't do anything during that period. We are in that moment right now. And it is up to us to step up and to make our voices heard. And at the end of the day, we don't know how things are going to go. But what we do know, and what we can have control of, is how you made your voice heard and voting is such a critical aspect of that and so we we got to ask you the question which side of history do you want to be on and and everybody uh, should at the very least be on the side that uh, decides to come out and vote and you know and, and one of the things that is is interesting is uh you know what you what you talked about in terms of people thinking that you know politics or by extension, policy has no impact on them. Uh, but we know that it has an impact on everybody, both positive and negative in the way that it's implemented. Um, one of the things that um, that I'm, I've been interested in is what uh, the, the, um, the milestones for success for My Brother's Keeper, um, Ohio, um, and a lot of it is education based. And I'll, I'll read a couple, uh, read these so our, our listening audience can can know what these are. Uh, entering school ready to learn, 
uh, reading at a grade, uh, reading at grade level by uh, third grade, graduating from high school ready for college and career, completing post-secondary education or training, successful, successfully entering the workforce, and then reducing violence and providing a second chance. I mean, it, essentially all of these are connected to education and in particular, you have right here um, the middle three uh, focus on um, education and career connectedness. Why is that such an important component of what's happening with My Brother's Keeper um, and in particular the audience that you are um, uh, going after and, 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 and planning to serve? That's so critical. Uh, one of the things that we, we say here at the end of the day um, that the, the type of future and policies and change that we want to see in our society uh, are just not going to happen on their own. Uh, the facts are that the status quo is there for a reason. Um, mm -hmm. And there are powers that keep the status quo in, in place and that keep people uh, behind. And it's up mm -hmm. to us to invest in the strategies uh, to really address these issues. And that's why those milestones are really about cradle to career, because all of those are critical intervention points. When you talk about early childhood education, we know research shows um, that when you have uh, early investments and early access to educational opportunities, when you're younger, the, the high quality pre-K, that uh, opens doors of outcomes and opportunities uh, for, your, uh, for your child and for mm. your community more broadly. We know that when it comes to uh, reading at a grade level in third grade, that, that that has so many impacts on your trajectory, your life trajectory, and that mm. there have been cases and instances where if you are not at grade level, you can look at, at sense and tracks, the trajectory of those who go on to high school versus those who go on into the criminal justice system, is it is truly heartbreaking mm. and devastating to think that we have along the way, the cradle to career pathway, instead of pathway to opportunities, it has been more of a school to prison type of pa pathway and pipeline. And that is something that means that we have to have these critical intervention points and it requires policy change, but it also requires you to share your story. And that's been one of the, the key pieces that I think is so critical about the work about My Brother's Keeper, uh, but the work more broadly that we do is that these can't just be more than just abstract policies that are out there. These are about mm -hmm. stories of people's lives, their actual lived experiences. You know, a lot of, a lot of the work uh, that I, I got really involved in, in, in uh, when I started at Curl and when it, we did a lot of local work with My Brother's Keeper here in Columbus uh, was on the south side of Columbus and working with our I Am My Brother's mm -hmm. Keeper program that is now uh, housed in the Columbus Urban League. And we learned pretty quickly that a lot of these issues and challenges that our young people were, were facing were compounding issues. And it was yeah. also uh, generational issues and generational challenges that uh, not only did getting access uh, to high quality education was one thing, but we also need to make sure that folks were able to pay their rent and were able to keep a roof over their head and able to get access to the furniture bank or the food bank all these other resources that are determined about policy. And so what I looked at consistently throughout the time is 
I became so frustrated by just our inadequacy to approach these issues, not just in, in mm-hmm. a one single program, but just as a community more broadly of like, you know, we cannot program our way out of the challenges that we face. Programs are critically important and they're necessary to reach populations and communities that uh, don't get reached. But we also need to actually invest in people. And so the facts are that our social welfare policies, as an example, don't do nearly enough to help and provide for our community. And that's something that you can change through policy and politics. That's something that we recognize and understand, you know, to deal with challenges like poverty. All those things have an impact on your educational opportunities, on your economic opportunities, but we have to invest in that work. Um, And so what we try to do with My Brother's Keeper is to really listen to the stories of the families on the ground and the struggles that they're facing. And then how do we tie that to policy change? And, you know, we're, we're pushing at it. We're trying to make it work, uh, but we still have a long way to go. And that policy, I just want to say, and and I mean, to me, it it sounds like, you know, policy when what can be frustrating for people is policy, particularly historically in this country has been reactive. Mm -hmm. Right. And but solutions when they're real solutions are comprehensive. So and and we don't necessarily have comprehensive things that are put in place that say we got to look at the whole person and the whole the whole situation in order to figure out the whole solution. It's like you know, okay, people over here are hungry. Let's figure out a way to feed them. But why are they hungry? Like let's figure out why they're hungry and make sure that. They eat today, tomorrow, and into the future, and more importantly, so that then their children are able to then be able to feed themselves. And like that's a comprehensive solution. And we always just go look at how do we do this thing and throw some money at it, and that you know, and then we're done kind of situation. And that can be challenging for people. And and I think young people see that too, right? And and they yep. see those. It's never the full picture the full thing that's being looked at um you know i've been in schools or like yeah they came and fixed the hvac yeah this year next year they'll come and fix the roof and then mm-hmm. so on and so forth meanwhile i'm spending yep. four years in this school and every time i come back every year there's a there's a problem by the time we get to my senior year they're just now starting to talk about enhancing the technology well, yep. <laughs> that's yep. like, you know, now I'm not even prepared for college and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Joel, just, just to add on to that a little bit, I really want to get your thoughts, Kyle, on this as well. Uh, with the comprehensive, you know, solutions example that you just mentioned. So do we actually, is there, are there actually solutions or are there, or are there trade-offs, you know? Because I think that's also a subject too to, um, to unpack a little bit as well. <clears throat> Yeah, so, so certainly. So, so there, are, there are certainly solutions. Uh, there will always be some trade-offs. And the question is a matter of priority, right? And so um, one of the, the questions here when we talk about these issues is that uh, we tend to, to um, make these, as we just mentioned, uh, these piecemeal approaches uh, to change. 
And as a result, because it's reactionary, because it's reactive, because it's piecemeal, uh, we don't do enough in terms of strategy and implementation. And you could even have the best policies in the world, but if it's implemented poorly, it's not a good policy. And so the questions are, how do you actually make sure that you have good policies and solid implementation? And the question really is around priorities. And if you don't have the priorities of investing in communities, especially marginalized communities, then they will continue to be overlooked. And this is really a concept of deservingness in our society. We as a society have uh, viewed people in poverty, people who are struggling, people who are marginalized as some sort of personal responsibility issue, that we only have so much uh, responsibility in society to address these issues, and the rest, it's up to them to figure it out. And it's this pull yourself up by your own bootstraps mentality for people who don't have boots in the first yeah, place. Yeah. And right. all of <laughs> exactly. this mentality has been done uh, to basically point blame. We see it happening right now. We see the idea that if you are struggling, the reason you are struggling is because of somebody else, that they're, they, they're doing this to you. And especially when you talk about issues of racial justice, it's this idea of trying to fan the flames of racial resentment or grievance and say that, well, you, you know, providing opportunities for some people means that you don't have opportunities for yourself. And what I would say is that it doesn't have to be about scarcity. This is, does not always have to be a zero-sum game. And so while there are often and sometimes trade-offs, it doesn't mean that this is zero-sum. For an example, if we have a question of where are we going to invest most of our resources? Because there's always a question, well, how do you pay for it? We have made the choice that we only ask that question when it comes to helping out people in poverty or uh, lower income folks. But we don't tend to ask questions about how we pay for it when we're investing in billionaires and billionaires and giving tax breaks and giveaways to big corporations. It, it is unfathomable to me that we have allowed a system to say, well, the private sector, the market, they're going to be the solution to all of our problems and the, the money will trickle down to the rest of you. And if you can't make it, that's because you haven't been trying hard enough. When in fact, we know that if you have a government, if you have a society that invests in public infrastructure, invests in public education, invests in healthcare, invests in communities, that's how you make sure that people can thrive. And so I think it's not only a question about our priorities, but a question about the narrative we tell ourselves. And there is a narrative that is out there that is pervasive that says you're on your own. The narrative that I want is that we leave nobody behind regardless of how they got there, regardless of their circumstance. Uh, it, we may not get there uh, overnight, and it's going to take us longer, but we get there together. And I think that's a worthy thing for us to do as a society, as a community, and as individuals ourselves. Thank you. Thank you. And as we you know, start to wrap up here a little bit, <clears throat> just had a few, few other questions I would like to uh, touch on. Um, one of the things that I just love about you know, the current institute is you know, some of the different research around the opportunity mapping. And also you know, with the Digital From Day One podcast, where we're trying to you know, really connect the pipeline you know, from K-12 all the way through um, uh, higher education as well, too. So if I'm a middle school you know, or high school student interested you know, in work that's happening with um, My Brother's Keeper, um, locally, nationally, or, or statewide, you know, how can I get involved uh, with, with that initiative? 
That's great. So one of the things they can reach out to me, they can re- reach out to Kerwin uh, more broadly, and uh, we are more than happy uh, to get folks connected. We, you know, there are a lot of involvement that we do in terms of uh, sometimes go to school districts, have conversations uh, with school districts, as well as get people connected uh, to mentorship opportunities. Um, and opportunities to connect with their community. So uh, they can reach out um, and we can get them plugged into uh, whatever it is that they might be interested. I know we're, you know, some high schools, not only are we uh, connecting them to, to programs to, to volunteer uh, with uh, some of our uh, communities, but we're also, uh, for those who are usually a little older, high school students about like policy, actually like what kind of policy should we do and looking at the research that we do at the Kerwin Institute on these issues, on disparities that we see in housing, disparities in healthcare, I mean, really looking at the data behind that, I mean, researching these issues and disparities. So uh, they can reach out to us, we got, got our website as well. There's a contact form on there, got my email that, that I can send out to you all so everybody has it. Those are all ways uh, for people to get connected. And, and saying I'm an educator, right? I'm, I'm a teacher or a counselor or, you know, administrator in, 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 in a school. How can I get connected to the work that My Brother's Keeper uh, or even Kerwin Institute uh, is doing? Or uh, even on a different level, how can I, um, or are there opportunities for me to utilize the work that you all have been doing in my classroom, in my yeah. school. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's usually what it tends to be. And, and what, what we do is really one, one thing we do is we provide trainings. We also do trainings and engagements. We facilitate conversations like how to talk about race. We facilitate uh, uh, conversations on the history of race and racism uh, in, in America and in this country, really how to have those conversations within the classroom also really can lay out a toolkit and strategies for how do I improve the climate in my school or my school district? Um, So those are all things that we can provide either on a more engaged level where we're providing those trainings or more of an advisory technical assistance type of capacity role that that we play in a lot of different cases. Um, and, And that's something that has been critical, especially, I mean, we've been inundated with requests uh, over the last three months or so, uh, given everything going on with the racial justice uh, reckoning, uh, people are trying to figure out what do we do? How, how do we come up with a plan? And so we're really trying to lay that out there. Um, and because of all of these different issues, um, you know, we can't be everywhere. And so one of the things that we've done is, is we actually have uh, an online implicit bias module, the K through 12, uh, geared towards K through 12 educators that people can take uh, free and available on our website. Um, that they can actually run through the model module to go over issues of bias, but also issues of structural racism and all the other isms uh, that lead to uh, the disparities that we see. So um, we want to make sure that that is out there as much as possible. And I think especially as a land great university, we need to be doing all of that we can to disseminate this knowledge and this research. And, and, and I'm a, this, this, hopefully uh, this question comes out correctly. <laughs> So um, is there a, is there a audience, a school, a district, a, a, uh, a grade or a, or even a, a subject in school that the work that is being done by Kerwin Institute and My Brother's Keeper and so on and so forth, that it doesn't impact? Is there, 
and so hopefully I'm 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 asking that way. Purposely. Yeah, I got you. Um, yeah. yeah, no, so no, I mean it, it is it runs the gamut. I mean, the issues that we discuss, the research that we discuss is so comprehensive um, that it is truly cradle to career, but also more so than just on the individual level, it's on the community structural exactly. level. It impacts all of us. That's why things like systemic racism, those are things that impact all of us, yeah. uh, even if you don't realize it. And so we're, we are here to tell that history, to tell that story, and to point you to the research. Because here's the thing. We have to have these conversations because you have some people who are in the highest levels of, of office uh, who deny things like systemic racism. Uh, it's, it's no surprise that these same people that deny systemic racism also denied basic facts and science. And so it's important for us to make sure that we're telling the history, telling the truth of America and recognizing that, yes, we can't just talk about only the good thing. We also have to talk about uh, some of those grave errors and grave, grave decisions that harmed people, and especially black people, and indigenous people from this country. But we can do better. We can progress. But we, we can't ignore that history. That impacts everybody. I appreciate you coming on and, and being able to talk about uh, the good things and things that are happening with my brother's keeper and Kerwin and even with, with yourself and, 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 and what's going on in, in the region and in the state and also being able to, uh, talk about the, the challenging things, but, uh, in a way that points us toward solutions, right? That is the, yep. the ultimate, the ultimate goal. Um, so we appreciate you have, um, being on with this, uh, Kyle and appreciate you bringing, uh this this uh this this level of detail to the work that's happening um and um hopefully you know we we can uh connect back up soon and and, and uh connect the dots on some of the conversations we've had in the past and uh but we really appreciate you being on with us uh for the digital day uh digital from day one podcast hey appreciate you both uh it is an honor to be here really excited uh, the, the work that you all are doing and, and getting this message out there um, is, is critical. So thank you so much. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Digital From Day One podcast. Make sure to visit our website at go.osu.edu forward slash digital day one. That's the number one where you can find out how to subscribe, more information about our guests and more information about our team. As always, we'd love to know what you think. Use the feedback form on the website or shoot us an email at digitalfromday1 at osu.edu. The one is actually spelled out here. Or simply give us a rating on iTunes. And we'd appreciate if you tell a friend about our little show here too. There's more to come from our guests in this episode, so be on the lookout for that. I'm Joel Nelson, along with Brendan Dickerson, and let's continue to make the connections to opportunity stronger. Until next time, everybody.